welcome to SJ at Noon, another virtual edition of your Monday Hockey SJHL Talk. Rory McGoran, as always, and joined a man fighting with the time change over there is the Nukes, Jamie Nugabauer. How's it going, Jamie? Yeah, good. It, what a battle, eh? Figuring out Eastern <laughs> time zone, daylight savings. Can we just all, just all bring it together, be under one time so that might be less confusing? That would be great. Thank you. Yeah, we needed to have like a roundtable meeting to kind of get you figured out about what time we would be recording, what time guests were, but I think we all got it settled out and, and it wasn't 8 a.m. for you. So you got to, you know, get a couple Z's in you after that big team Canada win, which I know you're thrilled about. Yeah, big team Canada win. I came, uh, you know, for my dad's birthday, I had a bit of a rough year more than anything, but uh yeah, just uh, amazing. Got a quick mention, the Canadian men's national team making yeah. the World Cup. Big news. This is the most important sporting event in the entire world is the World Cup of soccer. So um, for Canada to be among that is, I think, amazing, whether you're a soccer fan or not. Well, you'd walk a million miles for hockey and you would fly two time zones for soccer. So uh, a man of many talents. But uh, let's get into your Sask Lotteries recap. We got a great show today, and we're going to be joined by the captain of the Yorkton Terriers, Keyshawn Gervais. They're heading to game seven tomorrow because the Melford Mustangs have rallied back down from three games to one to win the next two. That will be exciting in the only game seven of round one. And then joined after Keyshawn in about 40 minutes time will be the man, the myth, the legend himself, Rob Hart, the play-by-play voice, the longest tenured play-by-play voice in the league of the Flin Flon Bombers. He'll join us and very excited to have both those guests on the show today, Jamie. Yeah, like those are two guys, I think, that really um, put this league, uh, you know, out there in a great way. You know, Keyshawn has been a great element, positive element for this league for a while. What he does, uh, you know, on social media, in his community, uh, in Yorkton for mental health. I'd love to talk to him about that. And Rob Hart, I mean, I don't know, like, who calls a better (laughs) game in the SJ than Rob Hart? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely top tier. I've been doing it for uh, for a long time, a legend in this league. Let's get to your Sask Lotteries recap because we got three out of the four teams in the SJHL semis now cemented. And it started, the first team was the first place team to get through. The Estevan Bruins do it in five in an 8-1 victory against the Notre Dame Hounds in game five in Affinity Place. And uh, your thoughts on the Estevan Bruins and that series Notre Dame had the shocker in game one, but maybe that was the wake-up call Estevan needed because then they rattle off four straight. Yeah, I mean, the the games that were close, games one and four, were very, very good hockey games, and the Hounds could have won both. And, you know, we could be going to – could have gone to a game six yesterday very easily. Uh, But, you know, Rory, they always talk about is, uh, is your best players have to be your best players. And, you know, Mark Rumsey – Olivier Pouliot, uh, to some degree, Boston below us. Uh, He was less busy than others at different times. But they, you know, those two were absolute monsters uh, for Estevan. And and this young Notre Dame decor, uh, you know, had a bit of a hard hard time shutting them down, as I think a lot of us maybe predicted they would. So, you know, kudos to Jason Tatarnik and the Bruins for finding, you know, that that playoff-style hockey to get through this and, uh, the Hounds, you know, they they worked and grinded, and the, I think that the playoff, that overtime with loss at home in Wilcox in Game Four, took just a ton out of them. So 
you know, it, it's uh, it's a situation where it, it's a great experience for Brett Pilkington's young team and, um, you know, Jason Tatarnik's team, I think, did what they needed to do. Yeah, and do you feel it's just a matter of, I mean, we see the Estevan lineup, and that is wave after wave after wave of just grinding down opponents. You see it because there really is no one to four, right? They roll all the lines, all the D are, are you know, veteran and experienced, two goaltenders. That so It is a lot for a younger team like the Hounds to kind of try to match up because you're going to find mismatches throughout 60 minutes if you're Jason Tatarnik and the Estevan Bruins. Yeah, there's no question. I think it's a situation, too, where the Hounds were trying to find the right combinations on the blue line. You know, if Jared Sitch could play 60 minutes, like we talk about if for Yorkton, if Tyson Jansen could play 60 minutes for Yorkton, but Matt Hare would get Tyson Jansen out there for 60 minutes. If Jared Sitch could play 60 minutes, uh, I'm sure Brett Pilkington, well, obviously that doesn't develop the other guys, so obviously that's never going to happen and it shouldn't happen, but um, you know, it, it was it was a situation too where uh, it was great experience. You know, for uh, a Roxenberg, a Landon Peterson, uh, a Sam Croon, even you know, obviously Sam with the overtime winner and a great offensive year. Um, but uh, you know, great experience to see what uh, a guy like Eric Pierce, a, a Memorial Cup experienced guy, looks like when it's when it's you know game time, when it's playoff time. Uh, and we look at the the scoring leaderboard, you know, those two, you know, Rumsey and Pouliot are at the top, Pierce is around there, you know, what we're starting to see, I think, throughout the whole playoffs, Rory, and, I, and I'm very interested to hear what you think about this from the Humboldt Laurent series that you obviously watched, you know, as closely as anybody, is the 2021-year-olds 20, are, you know, as much as we love the, the young guns making a big statement in the league, the 2021 year olds with a lot of experience are the ones who are carrying the load a little bit so far through this playoffs. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Olivier Pouliot and Mark Rumsey tops of the league, right. And they've only played five games. Some have played yeah. the extra one with six Belfort and York. They're going to go into game seven on Tuesday. And it's still the Estevan Bruins through five games with those two powerhouses leading the playoff scoring race. And I'm not sure if we have that graphic. We'll be able to toss it up here, but, uh, yeah, the 20 year olds, they, they, they did dictate most of the pace in the Humboldt LaRange series as well. You look at a Holden Knights who just got to give him credit for an exceptional playoff round that he played in his career. Uh, unfortunately, it was a little bit battling injuries this year. I would have loved to see him, you know, for a full 58 game season, but one of the hardest working players and most frustrating, I can tell you from an opposition standpoint in terms of his style of play in the, in the playoffs, he's a menace. Um, but Again, what I wanted to do, though, before we went on completely to Humboldt and LaRange was just give a shout-out to the 20-year-olds of the teams who've been eliminated. Mm -hmm. So on the Notre Dame Hounds, of course, Nick Zembrowski, uh, Nolan Coventry, Connor Nolan, longtime SJHLer and Connor Nolan, Jake Sacratini, and, uh, and Riley Oslin, the goaltender. So congratulations on your junior career and nothing the best down the line. Yeah, and, you know, obviously I could talk about all those Notre Dame 20-year-olds. Of course you can, yeah. yeah. means so much to me. But one guy that I want to kind of really highlight from that crew is Connor Nolan, the Calgary yeah. native, signed by Humboldt. And, um, you know, it just, it just didn't work out numbers-wise for Scott Barney and Humboldt where he was signed in the first place. And But even then, you know, Scott Barney said, this kid can be a player. In, in U18 in Calgary, again, he was a player and really developed and grew and, and learned and, and was remarkable. And on the other side of the spectrum, before we move on, I quickly have to have to mention Austin Elliott who I think really proved 
his ability to play at the Western Hockey League level uh, for once and for all in this uh, postseason. He was absolutely fantastic, um, you know, throughout the series. Uh, you know, even though Humboldt put up some cricket scores, uh, you know, Austin Elliott was, was remarkable. So, uh, you know, big time kudos for the youngest goalie in the SJHL. You don't see too many pure 17-year-olds once the playoff turns around. And, um, you know, Austin was excellent. So give him time, big time kudos, and the Saskatoon Blades have a good one coming. All right, so we're actually going to just finish off with Humboldt and LaRange. Then we're going to go to break and come back with uh, with the remaining two series. So Humboldt, LaRange, you mentioned it, the 20-year-olds really taking over. Look at McKellen Couture. Look, at we talked about this guy at the trade deadline, what he did shoring up the defense. Liam McKinnis, too, comes in in the Nolan Dole trade. It looked a little bit uncertain to what Kevin Kaminsky was trying to do on the blue line, but whatever it was, it worked. Those two were unreal pairing throughout the whole entire opening round series with the Humboldt Broncos, gave them everything they could, they could pardon me. McKellen Couture had eight points. He only was held up a score sheet in game, uh, in game five uh, in Humboldt. He had four game point streak throughout the first four when it was tied 2-2. Liam McKinnis had, I believe, four or five power play points. Uh, those two were a handful. I know McKinnis is only 19. He's going to come back, but... McKellen Couture, just want to give him kudos on that playoff series and, and really shoring up and, and, and driving that support for the LaRange Ice Wolves that we knew they kind of needed. And, uh, and then on the other side, the Humboldt Broncos. Well, game one was led by Connor McGrath. With, he had five assists, right? A few other players can be shouted out. And then when they were down 2-1, yes, the veterans did take over. Alex Morozov and Jersey Orchard with four points each in game two. Then you had, you know, the Nick Shaw Eric on defense with an empty net goal, but his play on D only limited the LaRange Ice Wolves to four scoring opportunities throughout the whole game. So uh, the veterans shored up Humboldt when they were down two to one. There might have been a little bit of adversity, a little bit of, okay, let's take a breath. We didn't expect to be here, but then your leaders stepped up and that's what you need them to do. And it worked three straight wins. Game six, Humboldt's advancing to the second round. Yeah, and, uh, you know, at, at one point, it was the series, I think, was 2-1. LaRange and, and the Ice Wolves yeah. had, had a three-goal lead in, uh, yeah. in, in game four. So, you know, amazing work by Kevin Kaminsky. Uh, you know, everybody in the league has a thing that they say it's hard to bring a guy into our spot. Oh, because of this, because of that. It's the SJ. It's blah, blah, blah. And Kevin Kaminsky doesn't care about excuses. He finds a way to bring in those pieces that you need. And uh, McKillen Couture, you know, we talked about him a lot, Rory, around the, sh the, the trade deadline, bringing him in from uh, Nipawin. And, uh, you know, what an ad. Has to be the best ad. In the sh you know, we talked about it all year that it was the best. It's number one. It's number one. Yeah. He, he was spectacular. Bounced around his career and uh, really found a home. And, and we talked again a lot about, you know, what was the hole for LaRange. We knew Xavier Cannon would be great. We knew they would score goals. You know, could could the D hold up? And and you know, obviously Liam McKinnis was not a guy that uh, the Melford Mustangs wanted to give up for. You know, I neither Ty Evans for Nolan Dole, and we'll talk about Melford. Yeah. But um, you know, again, Kevin Kaminsky just found a way, paid a lot. You know, to got a lot. Pardon me for Nolan Dole. Uh, you know, at that deadline, and, and obviously this playoff series making it hard on them on the on the Broncos. Um, you know, re really showed that. And again, you have to also give like guys like Nate Luft and, and Connor Abrick 
you know, a lot of credit for growing up, you know, Taylor Webb as the season went on uh, and, and shoring up that Larange decor, making them as, uh, you know, we knew that they'd be hard to play against in the physical and the aggressive sense, but hard to play against in terms of decision-making, uh, you know, that was the question mark. And, and I think, you know, the Ice Wolves maybe ran into a bit of a deeper team than in, in Humboldt, but, uh, you know, there, there was nothing easy about this for Humboldt. To me, it was the, I mean, we'll see what game seven presents between Melford and, and Yorkton. If it goes to another overtime, then I think that one supersedes. But right now, this was the craziest series because you had game one with four lead changes back and forth. Game two, Xavier Cannon with a shutout. Game three, again, Broncos up 2-0. LaRange comes back and win. Game four, LaRange up 3-0. Broncos come back. Then LaRange up 5-3. Broncos come back and win 7-5. It was it had so many emotional and momentum swings, which is what you expect in the playoffs, where other games, it was just kind of secured by one team, maybe, you know, a, a two-goal lead into a one-goal lead. Uh, this thing had so many emotional swings, it was it was insane to be a part of. But, yeah, if, if the other one goes to a third overtime in seven games, then that one I'll give the I'll give the cake to. It is going to game seven. But, um, again, yeah, the LaRange Ice Wolves gave the Broncos everything they they could handle, I think more than the Broncos thought they were going to need to handle. Uh, but what does this do for Humboldt moving forward? Because you look back a couple of years ago, Battlefords against Flynn when the North Stars won the championship, that went seven games. It had four overtime games. It was a little more wild than this series, but you know, you can kind of put the similar pieces together. And then Battlefords went on and kind of just rolled through the rest of the playoffs after facing that adversity with Flynn yeah, no, it's a great point. I think, you know, we also talked last week about the fact that, um, you know, Jason Tatarnik, after the game one loss for was, was for Estevan, he doesn't want to lose. But yeah, the, that game one loss, crazy double overtime back and forth. That one was nuts uh, in, in affinity place. And the Hounds won game one on the overtime winner. And, uh, you know, we, we both kind of agreed that, you know, obviously long series ahead. Lots can happen. Notre Dame has Kevin Anderson, maybe the best, you know, maybe the best player in the league, etc. Like, it, it, it's it's uh, it, it's a thing that Jason Tatarnik said, good, like, good. Our guys have to feel that this is not going to just be a stroll through the park, uh, you know. And Scott Barney's thinking the same thing. Like, if we survive this uh, situation where a lot of people were like, oh, is Larage going to like sneak one out here against Humboldt and, and shock the world? A lot of people thought that real seriously at, at different points throughout this series. So, yeah, absolutely, Rory, you're you're bang on. The Scott Barney's sitting there smiling as wide as he can because he knows this is great for his team. Well, I will put up two points. The penalty kill has has vanished. Give credit to Larange for putting together a power play that worked. <laughs> I mean, because the Broncos were the number one kill in the league, it's now I believe well, it was seventh, but Larange is out, so it's last. It's last out of the remaining four teams. They got to figure that out. But the scary part is for the Humboldt Broncos, Race Ramsey is not playing close to his A game. Again, LaRange making his knife miserable and Ramsey making key saves. But you just look at his numbers, he's got an 899 save percentage. Do you think he's happy with that? No, he's he, he's not happy with that. So if Ramsey can get can play even, you know, a subfraction closer to the form that we had in the regular season. It's just adding so much more to the Broncos team that got through this tough round series with Ramsey maybe at his B game. And I think he would admit that too. I'm not taking a shot at him. He would probably say, yeah, you know what? I could have been a little better. 
No, it's again, great point. I think, you know, we talk, I talked a lot, especially in my broadcasts with Notre Dame and Estevan, about how many major junior and junior games of experience this Estevan team had. And just obviously the difference between them and Notre Dame was astronomical. But, uh, uh, you know, just because Race Ramsey's a 20-year-old uh, doesn't mean that he has a ton of playoff experience, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's, you know, because of the pandemic almost more than anything, uh, so few people have felt, you know, this sort of do or die, life or death stuff in a long time. So, you know, again, so just like for Scott Barney having a big smile on his face for his team getting through this, I think this is, you know, I don't think Race Ramsey has a smile on his face, but I think he's fine. Like, he's like, okay, like, I got through that. Now it's time for the Ram to show up. Um, and, the, and the fact that the Broncos can win with the Ram not necessarily showing up shows that the Broncos have what maybe some, like, a, a team like the Notre Dame Hounds have don't have, that, like, if a Kevin Anderson, you know, or Elliot Dutil aren't scoring, then it's not that big of an issue. So, uh, you know, Humboldt moves on. It should be a very interesting round, too. Quick, I think we have 20 seconds left before we got to end the meeting. 20-year-olds for Lawrence, congratulations to Cole Christensen, Gavin Matty, Aaron Grayeyes, Alejandro Apud, Parker Fofanov, Conrad Mitchell, Brandon Della Polera, Holden Knights. Don't want to miss any McKellen Couture, and of course the goaltender, Xavier Cannon. Those were the first two rounds. We'll be back with Melfort against Yorkton and Flynn Flottom Battleford's in SJ at noon. Welcome back to SJ at noon. We've gone through the one and eight seeds and the two and seven seeds of your Sask Lotteries recap. Estevan Bruins, Humboldt Broncos, on to the second round of the SJHL playoffs. Well, one other team is joining them. The Flin Flon Bombers get it done in six. They pick up one road win, and that's all they needed as they protect the Whitney Forum three times, win at home every time in the playoffs, knock off the defending champs, technically still, Nugsy. And uh, we're going to have a new champion here in 2022 because the Bombers have defeated the Battleford North Stars in six. Your thoughts on that series? Yeah, you know, hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of distance between these two, right? Like Flynn Flawn in Manitoba and Battleford's, you know, way on the other side of Saskatchewan. So the home ice is, was huge, and we talked about it, and it was. But you know, the the difference in the end was uh, this is there's a lot of experience on this Flynn Flawn team, a little bit less on Battleford's. I've said it all year that the North Stars, as well as they played, as well as Tomasco coached them. I think they're built for next year. Like this is going to be a serious battle for the team next year. But, you know, in the present moment, the Bombers are a bit older. And in the end of the day, they got, you know, that goaltending that we expected them to get from Cal Shell. He was above 950 in his save percentage the last two games. That makes a world of difference. So, you know, kudos to both teams it was a great series. We knew that a road win would be imperative. In the regular season, every home team won. Well, games one and game two in the in the Access Communication Center in the Battlefords, both won by the Battlefords. Then it goes game three and game four in the Whitney Forum, both won by Flin Flon. The exact same narrative continued throughout the series. Game five and the Flin Flon Bombers get it done on the road. But re rewind a bit. Do you think that the game four, they were down three to one, heading in to the third period, tie it up, then go to overtime. Jacob Vockler in, in front of that crowd of, what, 11, 1,300 people, whatever it was, a packed Whitney Forum. That was it. That was the moment the Flin Flon Bombers needed to come back in that game 
not only in the game, but tie the series. And then they didn't look back. That one road win was a spark. Head back home for game six, and they got the job done. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I'm very interested to, to talk to Rob Hart, the, the Fun yeah. Fun podcaster, talking about how they came into the playoffs, you know, sputtering. I saw them at the end of February. Uh, you know, Notre Dame went in there, and they, they didn't look great, the Bombers, if I'm, like, being honest. Uh, but the thing about this Flynn Flon team is they have so much depth. They're so balanced everywhere so that if this guy, this line is not having a good day, then this line maybe does, and maybe, you know, this or that. So, you know, we saw Ryland Thiessen and WHL experienced defensemen have a tremendous series. And we had unsung hero, you know, the Fernando Pisanis. There's a throwback in the Oilers <laughs> days. And, you know, the list goes on of, you know, guys who just kind of show up in the playoffs. And not that Gabriel Shipper's just showing up in the playoffs, but he's showing who he really is in these playoffs so far. And, you know, they needed a hero with a cape from somewhere. And, and Gabriel Shipper decided to put that cape on. So it can come from anywhere, Rory. And I don't think anybody, Estevan, Humboldt, Yorkton, Melford, nobody, Nobody should take no. Flynn Flan the tiniest bit lightly because they are going to be scary moving forward. Well, no one wants to go into your background there, the Whitney Forum, one of the toughest places to win a hockey game. And actually, you mentioned the Notre Dame Hounds played Flynn Flan late February and beat them in the Whitney Forum. That's the last time they lost there. They haven't lost since. So rattle off, I believe, five straight home wins, three in the playoffs. Uh, I will talk about this, though. It's the one sort of glaring thing to me on the Bombers, and it's Cal Shell. His save percentage on the road is 872. His save percentage at home is 929. He, it, yeah. it, it needs, it, the road needs to kind of be a little more, I mean, it's tough to win on the road in the playoffs. I get that. But a little more security on the road will, will make this Flin Flon Bombers team as dangerous as Estevan and as dangerous as Humboldt. They're right there. Yeah, well, it, and I always talk about, you know, on the road, you're always a little bit, especially if the teams are somewhat even, and obviously Battleford's Flint Flon extremely even, you always need you always need that goaltending, and you always need that special teams. And the truth of the matter, too, is the Flint Flon special teams wasn't very good, you know, throughout the series. They didn't get a ton of, uh, like, there wasn't a lot of power play and penalty kill in that series, but... Um, you know, I'm sure Cal Shell too, you know, if he was sitting here with us and he would, you know, be like, I need to play better because he's, you know, a great character kid. The truth is the decor in front of him needs to play better. And, you know, as well as I do, you know, the Xavier LaPointe's and a healthy Cole Vardy right now and a Cole Tanchuk and, and Ryland Thiessen, the list goes on there, got a great decor. They can play way better than they did uh, even this, throughout the whole series. They figured it out, you know, games five and six. That's a huge difference, but... 73.7% on the PK for for Flynn Flon. Mike Reagan's going to say that's not good enough. Uh, 12% on the power play with his vaunted Flynn Flon power play. He's going to say that's not good enough. So, you know, the, again, you, you, you get through a series, you're always very happy. But uh, Mike Reagan, I'm sure, has things he's going to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick question, though, before we move on to the final, final series, which is the only one still going, the only one going to Game 7. Do you think Flint Flon has a preference on who wins on Tuesday? Do you think they – I mean, both opponents are – it's 1-2, and they're finished one point apart. So you could say equally as challenging. Is travel – the distance to Humboldt's about 545, 6, I believe. The distance to mm -hmm. uh, Estevan, I do think they go through Manitoba, which shaves off a little bit of time. I think it's about 9.5. 
So, I mean, that is a long, if you're, if you're going six, seven games, that's insane travel. I, I think every single time you ask a coach, uh, what, you know, what his preference is. I'm asking you though. Not 99, <laughs> okay, 99% of the time they'll say we don't care, like whoever we get. And then, but the truth is they actually have a preference. I think in this situation, completely honesty, honestly, I, if I was the, if I was Mike Reagan, and I'm sure if I asked Mike Reagan, he would honestly say, I have no preference. They're both, you know, like awesome. So like, I, you know, I don't want to get into say that I'm in Mike Reagan's mind, but you know, again, like there's, these are two huge teams. The, 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 maybe the tiny thing is that Humboldt had a, a longer, you know, bloodier series. We'll say Estevan had a couple overtime games. And Notre Dame competed extremely hard. There was no rolling over, uh, for the most part. Obviously, Game Five, an eight to one loss. So maybe, maybe Hestevan's a little bit more, you know, less less playoff battle tested. We'll say in terms of the style of hockey that they had to play against a young Notre Dame team. So probably they, I maybe just by a smidge, they'd rather play Estevan, I think, but maybe just by a smidge. Yeah, you're right. Um, and the, but the travel would also be less favorable to Estevan. So you're right. It might be right down the middle, 50-50, which you don't often get when you're actually looking at your opponents. So, uh, But we'll, we'll find out because tomorrow is uh, is game seven between Melford and Yorkton. Before we get on to wrap up that final series of your Sasquatters recap, uh, congratulations, of course, to Dace Primack, Ryland McNinch, Dylan Esau, the final champion remaining. We're going to have a new core of champions here in 2022. Sam Witt, and Riley Little, and then the goaltenders, Austin Schwab and Michael Harash, the 20-year-olds that are graduating out of junior hockey. Congratulations to a fantastic season for all those players as well. Final series now before we welcome in Keyshawn Gervais, a man who's in this series. So maybe we don't need to get insight because we'll bring Keyshawn on to talk about what's been involved. But the Melford Mustangs, three seed, the six seed Yorkton Terriers, who were up three games to one in this series with two overtime wins. Melfort has stormed back. It is 3-3, heading back to the Northern Lights Palace in Melfort on Tuesday. What a series. Yeah, what a series. Like, I, we, we at our preview show, we had such a hard time. I think all of us. I had seven. I had, I had seven. We, I think we, had we seven. all had seven. We yeah. were all like, uh, you guys said, two said Melfort. I said Yorkton. And obviously, Melfort comes in with all the momentum after two wins. And, and you ask yourself, what's the difference well there's a couple of differences one difference that i really see is and i think individuals can really make a difference in the playoffs is that seth mccullough is back for melfort he is such a you know an sd i guess he's in your face he's got skill that he's come out this year too he's such a an emotional heartbeat for that uh, for that melfort team uh, and they're getting you know some goals from nolan dole and and uh, ben tkachik which they haven't gotten you know, over the course of the series so far, they obviously are as deep again as anybody, the Smellfront Mustangs team, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been fascinating. Very, very, very tight, intense and interesting. And Kale DePape, what more can you say about him? He's been great. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about unsung heroes needed in the, in the SJHL playoffs guys that, you know, uh, maybe don't get the spotlight in the regular season, but step up. You said, um, Fernando Pisani, I'll use the, the Martin Gelinas, right? Guys like guys like that. Well, where's Clark Huxley coming from? 
This guy had eight points in 20 games, a talented player. We knew that came in halfway through the year or over halfway for the Melford Mustangs and uh, eight points in 20 games. Well, he's already mirrored that in six, eight points in yes. six games. He leads the Mustangs in points. That's what you need. And that's what helped them, you know, fight it to a game seven as well. So those unsung heroes are going to be huge. And the Orton Terriers has some too, but uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Who's, who's picked up eight points in six games. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, uh, again, very interesting to talk to Rob Hart about the Flin Flon uh, lineup because, you know, usually they have the Mallows or, you know, at the top and, and the refuses and da, 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 da. the same with similar with Melford, right? They had the Colby ball, they had the ball line with the Albrecht and Zentner and, but they have, you know, a couple stars and then they, they, they grind it out. This is team come from everywhere too, for Melford, such a committee, Team. They do have the stars and Tkachuk and, and Dole, but they, they can come at you from everywhere too. And do you see that from, I mean, uh, Dawson LaRue's had an incredible series too for Melford. So, you know, you, you go down the list, there's a lot of experience, uh, especially up front for this Melford Mustangs team and not that same level of experience on Yorkton. But what I said in our previous show is that there's no quit. There's no, there's a big time soul in this Yorkton team too. So it should be, should be a beauty game seven. Can't wait to hear what Keyshawn is going to say. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, again, the Yorkton Terriers PK was doing it in the regular season. They're doing it in the playoffs. They're held the Melford Mustangs, just 11% success rate. And that's been a big key to the moment. But again, uh, we've talked enough about the series. I want to hear it from a guy who's been in it. So we will welcome in the captain of the Yorkton Terriers, Keyshawn Gervais, next on SJ at Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. We've gone through your SAS Lottery's recap of the four series, and only one remains. It's the lone one going to Game 7, and very help you, happy to welcome in your Super U player profiles, the captain of the Yorkton Terriers, Keyshawn Gervais. Keyshawn, thanks so much for joining us. How are things going over there? Good. You know, we're just trying to keep a calm dressing room, obviously. Uh, you know, me and uh, Tyson Johns, you know, we were in this situation before when we were rookies last time we played, and uh, it's all about keeping it loose and having a good practice here in the next half hour. And, uh, yeah, we're just trying to stay positive, and we know uh, we're hungry and the job's not finished. So, uh, you know, the guys are definitely looking happy, and we're looking to snap it around on the ice here. And uh, we know it's going to be a battle tomorrow, and, Melford's a good team. They brought it the last few games, but uh, we're definitely not going anywhere. It's uh, it's definitely going to be a war tomorrow. Keyshawn, um, I mean, you, you almost answered my question there, but again, final year of junior hockey. You guys like yourself, Tyson Jansen, the list goes on, right? Game seven. We know you're a guy that plays with your heart on your sleeve and more passion than, you know, a lot of people in the league, if not the most, which we'd love to see, but what does hearing game seven mean to you? Yeah, it definitely brings a special feeling. Uh, everybody everybody dreams of playing in a game seven. They, they dream of when they're playing mini sticks, being the hero in game seven. So, uh, you know, you have the opportunity to do that tomorrow. The building's going to be loud in Melfort. We know what to expect. Um, you know, we're going in uh as the underdogs we've been underdogs all year we've been we've had that chip on our shoulder all year so uh we kind of know it's going to be a battle it's going to be a war like it's been all series like i said and uh you know we're just we're preparing for that and you know i i can't be more excited everybody loves a good a good old game seven 
So as the captain of the Yorkton Terriers, though, your responsibility to know to, to lead the pack of the Yorkton Terriers, a lot of the players haven't even experienced playoff hockey because of the pandemic, let alone a game seven. So how, like yourself, who has experienced it, kind of can control the emotion in the room? Yeah, it's just about not getting too high or too low. Uh, obviously, game sevens can be, uh, they can be, you know, emotional and it can ride the wave. It can, you know, if something goes wrong, you can ride a low or if something goes right, you ride a high. So it's kind of trying to keep the dressing room even keel no matter what happens and, you know, trying to keep that calm energy and, you know, just making sure everyone's on the same page and we don't get off the game plan because, um, you know, there could be a lot of distractions, but at the end of the day, we're there to do a job and you want to stick to the game plan. Yeah, this this series has been such a roller coaster uh, already. Could write a could write a, a movie about this series already. It's been crazy. Uh, you 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 have that clutch gene, I guess. This year, three game winners in the regular season. You had an overtime winner in this one. When the when the game is on the line, uh, it seems like you, you really elevate. What what do you feel like kind of gives you that that, that opportunity to kind of elevate when the York Terriers have needed you to the last number of years? Yeah, um, you know, I kind of like feeding off the energy of uh, whether it's a pressure situation or the crowd. Um, my first few years of junior, you know, I was kind of more in more of an energy role and trying to get the guys pumped up or the crowd pumped up. And this year it's, you know, kind of more switched to being a leader on, you know, on the team and being more of a guy who, you know, helps out the team more offensively rather than uh, in the penalty box. So, you know, I've just been trying to rally off uh, any pressure situation instead of, you know, kind of cracking under the pressure, trying to use it for good and trying to rally the troops as best as I can. Uh, it's been, it's obviously, it's my last year junior and I want to end it off with a bang. So I'm treating every game like it's my last. Yeah, very cool. Uh, you know, just, just quickly, if that's okay, I, I want to take us just a, a little bit off the, the present uh, moment. Uh, you know, I know I know you're a guy who's probably really focused on the on the moment, but uh, you know you committed to uh, Lakehead University there in U Sports, and I'm sure that's um, you know something that that means a lot. Just tell me about uh, you know why Lakehead and kind of how good it feels to be in these playoffs, not having to think about worry about that anymore. Yeah, um, Lakehead approached me uh, I think about a month or two ago, and um, when I did some research on their school in Thunder Bay, I, I heard nothing but good things and, you know, definitely helped a lot when they, uh, they said they had Olivier going there, another fast guy from the SJ. So, uh, just their style of play, the way the coach runs it, he cares about his players, it seems like, and, uh, you know, they play fast, they play really structured and they play, uh, you know, a creative game. So, uh, everything about the school and the hockey program kind of spoke to me and the facilities they have. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy to be going to Lakehead and having get that over with, you know, it could be nerve wracking and getting that done before playoffs was huge. So, you know, I'm definitely excited for what the future holds with Lakehead. And uh, yeah, I was definitely, definitely excited. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations, uh, Keith, on one of your latest Direct West commitments going to Lakehead University U Sports. Uh, there's Nugsy, though, veering us off track. 
as usual, I'm going to bring it, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back on back to game seven and ask a question about what the Melford Mustangs have kind of presented in terms of uh, difficulties for the Terriers that you're going to need to try to overcome in game seven. That's allowed them to climb back in a series where you're up three to one. Yeah. So after game four, I believe we kind of took our foot off the gas. Uh, some of us might've gotten a little too ahead of sure. ourselves. Um, you know, being up 3-1, some some of us haven't played playoff hockey in years. Some of us haven't played playoff hockey ever at the junior level. So, you know, the focus level were, you know, the nerves being up 3-1, trying to close out the series. And, you know, give credit to Melford. They played with their, you know, their backs against the wall. They they took their, or they took our game and played it against us. They played physical. They, they, they did a good job of that. But, uh, you know, they... They did a good job trying to chirp, but I think uh, we really took it to them at the end of the last game. And, you know, the, the dogs, like like all year, we're not going away. And, you know, we're going to put up a, a tremendous fight tomorrow. And, you know, it's going to be an absolute battle. And I'm excited for it. What can yeah, you say also, about – oh, go, go ahead, Jamie. Well, I want to ask about one of my favorite personalities in the SJHL. He's – just I, nobody in the universe could dislike this human being. <laughs> I'm talking about Zach McIntyre. How much has he meant, you know, since coming in at the deadline from Melville? I feel like the soul level in that Yorkton team locker room is just a different level, just watching from the outside. Uh, you know, how much does he mean to you guys being in there? Yeah, Macker, he's been one of my best friends. He's a local Yorkton boy since we were, I think, in Peewee. This guy, he's. Like you said, nobody can dislike Macker. He's an absolute uh, comedy show everywhere you go. He can, <laughs> he can keep it light, you know. He can he can keep it serious when when the game's on the line. He's he's out there for those situations. He's he's helped us a tremendous amount with goal scoring in the dressing room. Everybody loves him. It's like he has a gravitational wave towards Macker, and everybody loves him. He's that natural leader. So. A uh, guy like him with how many games he's played and all the experience he's had, obviously, you know, we've wanted to get him in Yorkton to close out his junior career for a while now. And, you know, I couldn't be more happy to to get him here when we got him. And, you know, all the boys love him. The coaching staff loves him. And, you know, Yorkton just was so thrilled. And, yeah, I can't be happier to have a guy like that in our dressing room. And nobody he wants shot. to block that shot. No, no, no. <laughs> what was that? That nobody wants to block that shot. Oof. No, nobody wants to get in front of Macker's shot. That, definitely yeah. not. I, I know you said you have practice coming up soon. Uh, I just want to ask you one more question. We talked about game seven, the emotions that you feel. You try to keep it even keel, but the team, you know, uh, Melford rallied back. So collectively as the group, how are you guys doing mentally going into this game seven tomorrow? It's, uh, it's do or die for both teams, but that's what you play the game for. Yeah, for sure. Both teams are playing for their, you know, the lives on the line. And um, Melford came into our barn and they stole a win. We're going to go into theirs and, and steal a win is how I look at it. And, uh, you know, if they can do it, why can't we? We're going to we're gonna rally off the momentum that, you know, we just lost two games. We're, our backs are against the wall now. You know, we're in a pressure situation. And for some of us, this is our last junior, you know, hockey games, kicks at the cans. We really want to go out there and make a statement and let it be known that, Hey, we, we're not going anywhere and we don't want this to be our last series. So, um, you know, it's going to be an absolute battle tomorrow. It's you're going to want to tune in because, you know, it's definitely going to be a good one.
Keyshawn, thank you for taking the time, especially the day before Game 7. We appreciate it very much. Congrats on Lakehead, and, I mean, best of luck tomorrow. We'll all be watching. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. There was the captain of the Yorkton Terriers, Keyshawn Gervais. Don't forget to tune in to your radio broadcast or hockey TV or get your ticket and get to Melford to watch Game 7 because it's going to be a battle between the Terriers and the Melford Mustangs. We'll be back on SJ at noon, joined by the play-by-play -play voice of the Flynn Flawed Bombers who advanced to the second round. It's Rob Hart next on SJ at noon. Welcome back to SJ at noon. Rory McGoran, the Nugs with you. Big thanks to Keyshawn Gervais for joining us last segment. And now uh, very well, very happy to welcome in for the first time on SJ at noon. It's the longest tenured broadcaster in the SJHL, the legend, Rob Hart. Rob, thank you so much for doing this. How's it going in Flint Flon? Uh, very good. I, I don't know about the legend part, but uh, I've certainly been right. around for a while. But uh, th thanks for having me on the program today. If, no, if anything, the mustache... <laughs> yeah. that's my yeah. playoff that. well i mean the flint flon bombers is what we want to talk about of course because they are the third team to now advance to the sjhl semifinals joining the estevan bruins and the humboldt broncos after a game six victory against the battleford North stars it kind of had the same sort of scenario growing through the first four games where home ice was everything and then the Flint Flon Bombers get the job done on the road. Just take us through the series so far and sort of what you've seen from a Bombers team that was down 2 nothing against a very tough North Stars team. Well, it's been a very interesting ride because I'm sure you're aware Flint Flon really was struggling heading into the playoffs this year. I think they dropped eight of their last 11 games and I think they thought they're going to actually wind up third and then all of a sudden bang, you're in fourth and then you wind up in fifth and of course, you had to wait right till the uh, end of the season to see who they're going to play in the opening round. But, you know, Battleford's a well-coached team, and they played very well uh, down the stretch, including the first couple of games. They beat Flint Flon 7-3, 4-2. And I didn't know what to expect heading back to Flint Flon for games three and four. I honestly thought that the crowds might be down a little bit because they struggled uh, heading into the postseason, and we hadn't seen, you know, with COVID restrictions and everything else happen, we hadn't seen really big crowds at the Whitney Forum. I think only once all year. We had a crowd over 600 people in the entire regular season. So uh, game three comes electric crowd. Uh, the Bombers played their best game in the series at that point. And uh, it really was the catalyst. You want to talk about a turning point in the series? How about uh, the Flint Flon Bomber fans that came out, made a ton of noise and just made the Whitney Forum a real special place to play. in once again, something I won't forget. That is the most electric I've seen this building since the Royal Bank Cup of 2001. That's how long it's been. Wow. And yep. I mean, like, I, I just want to ask you about that crowd and kind of what it does. I, we know what it does for the team. We know how it, how difficult it is to play there, but how much does it sort of, you know, mean to you to fire you up for the broadcast when you're back in the Whitney forum and just get to kind of feed off that energy because I've been there and it's amazing. Well, I'm going to tell you, and, and the new knows this cause he texted me for game. I didn't actually broadcast game three. Okay. I have another job that I do here on the side that I was committed to do it. So I had a couple of guys fill in for me. But as it turned out, I was able to get there just when the second period was beginning. And the goosebumps I felt just standing there at ice level and just watching these people, uh, just it was absolutely amazing. It, as hard as it is for me to say, it was actually nice to sit there and watch a game and just take it in. And uh, I, I, I did have goosebumps. I thought this is incredible. Uh, and you just had a feeling that uh, Flynn Fong was going to win that game. 
Yeah, especially, you know, everybody knows what that Bombers team means to the community up there. So great to see that people sort of re-embrace the opportunity to come back to the Whitney Forum. Uh, you know, one guy I want to specifically ask you about, and, and it seems like as he goes, the Bombers will go, and that is Cal Shell. You look at his, you know, save percentage numbers, you know, to start this playoffs, uh, 788, 871 in the first two games, you know, you know well as well as I do, and not to sound harsh, but that's not good enough for Cal no. Shell. And then, you know, he, he finds a way, and by the end, it's 967, 952 in those last two. So that's where you want to be. That's ideal, more than ideal. So just talk about what you saw from him over the series. Well, like you mentioned, it was a bit of a slow start for him, but for the whole team. And, and the one thing about goaltending, it, it's always, uh, you know, a guy can let in for everybody always goes back and say it's the goalie's fault. Well, the fun one had some defensive breakdowns in front of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even in game three there, when Flynn was up 2-0 quickly and Battleford came back and scored a couple of quick goals, you could almost feel a sigh in the crowd a little bit. It was defensive turnovers that led to both those goals. And Battleford did do a good job in that in the series. They did get the Bomber defense to cough the puck up uh, fairly regularly. And, and no question, Cal could have been better. He'll tell you that. But as the series moved on, you could notice that he really started to get his swagger back. I really noticed it in game four, the, uh, the game on Wednesday night, when he came back. And I could tell, because Flynn was up uh, it was uh they were actually down 3-1 and scored two goals in the third period to tie it and I could tell as that period was moving on and we we're heading towards overtime Cal looked to be his regular self he got his swagger back and and played very well only gave up uh three goals in the next two games after that point including just the one goal in North Battleford on Friday night so as it got on Cal got more comfortable and his swagger was back and I could just tell by the way that he was moving around and a couple of glove saves that he made. You could tell that Cal was back. Would you say that that moment was what spurred the runout by the Flint Flon Bombers, mirroring image of the Broncos and the Ice Wolves? In game four, down 3 nothing. Flint Flon down 3-1, comeback tied up. Bombers win it in uh, overtime. Broncos win it in regulation. But then they never lose again, and they go on. What was that game four like, that comeback? that belief that you can, that they still had it in them not to fall down three games to one. And then obviously they took over afterwards. Well, it was a turning point in the series. And I mentioned that to Mike Reagan, who was on our post game show last night about the turning point in the series. And I think that really showed those guys that they, cause I mean, they've had a tough time coming back. I mean, yeah. they lost eight of their last 11 games. They had a real tough time scoring goals and, and Battleford's a good hockey team. I mean, they, they, they are very well coached and they're very well structured and, they looked to have it at 3-1, but that Bomber third line was just absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. And it was two very similar goals, just rushing to the net and creating havoc and getting loose pucks and putting them in. But no question the turning point in the series. And, and Mike Reagan commented on that as well on our uh, post-game show with, uh, with our radio station last night. Well, Rory and I love to kind of conjecture, you know, who's the fastest guy in the league, who's the this guy in the league, that guy in the league. And the right answer, very well me, in terms of the fastest guy in the league, Gabriel Shipper. Uh, and his series was something that I, I was really gratified to see him, you know, have because I've been a you know a big fan of his since he started this year, just, you know, kind of trying to work his way up and down that Flynn Flon lineup. But boy, did he explode in this series. How much fun was he to watch? He's, he's fantastic. He's just a little uh, a fire plug. And I, I remember from training camp, he came into training camp this year. Nobody knew who this guy was. <laughs> he's 20 years old from Los Angeles, California. 
They went and picked him up. I, his advisor, I guess, was friends with the bomber head scout, John Clausen. Said, I have a guy I want you to take a look at. They said, fine. So they went and picked him up and drove him in for camp. He looked really good. But, of course, main camp's a lot different than playing in games. But and he's a fantastic guy. His mom and dad actually came to, to the Whitney Forum for the first time from L.A. They were there for actually games uh, three, four, and five. And he just put on a, a, an incredible performance. His two goals in North Battleford Friday, the breakaway goal last night. And uh, he, he's got to be, if not one of the, the most exciting player in the SJHL. He's a lot. And Rory, back at Humboldt, when the Bombers were there early December, I know a lot of the Humboldt fans are really uh, complimentary of uh, what this guy brings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on, the, on, the spe- on the special teams, PK especially, absolute nightmare to deal with. One mistake and he's gone down the other way. Uh, I've been impressed with him all season long and kind of that, you know, 20 year old hasn't played junior hockey, you know, hasn't played in the SJHL, unfortunately not classified as a rookie, but um, yeah, a unique sort of experience for him to, to have his first taste at that age. Uh, I want to talk about collectively the whole team of the Flint Font Bombers because over the past couple of years when I've been here, the Bombers have always had that, you know, lead horse or lead horses, you know, the, Kayla Moretz, the Nate Hoopers, the Cole Refuse, the Alec Mallows. This team's doing it collectively. So what have you seen from Mike Reagan, the head coach, that's been able to kind of take the reins of a whole group of people without someone that's a stand above level of sort of talent and lead them to where they now are, one of the final four teams in the playoffs? Well, I mean, look at uh, game number four. Once again, down 3-1, the third line gets two goals. I mean, you just don't know who's going to step up. Is it going to be Gabriel? Look at Brett Wechester. We should talk yeah. about him. What a series he had. Oh, he yeah, scored absolutely. another beautiful He scored another beautiful goal last night. I think that's the thing with this team is you don't know who's going to step up game in, game out. Certainly their back end is pretty strong. I mean, yeah, you take a look at Xavier LaPointe, just a phenomenal player. He's But then again, he didn't score a lot in the series, but their back end is pretty strong. They got some good offensive production there. But I really feel that they got four lines that they can roll. They don't really even consider themselves to have a first, second, third, or fourth line. They just roll the lines out there. Uh, like I said, Weechester was great. Uh, Gabriel Shipper, who you touched on. Uh, Jacob Wachler, he scored a couple of highlight reel goals in the series. Like uh, Zach Smith, the captain. I mean, I can go on and on. They just they got contributions from pretty much everybody, which you need to have at playoff time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, a really impressive uh, performance by the Bombers. You know, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, Hertzy. You know, I know we know you can we know you can handle it. And this is kind of the sure. thing that I like to do. I like to ask uncomfortable questions uh, to people. Yeah. So I'm going to do that right now. So game seven is tomorrow between Yorkton and Melfort. Uh, if Yorkton wins, then Estevan will play Yorkton, and Humboldt will play Flinflon. If it's the other way around, then it'll be Estevan, and then Humboldt will play Melfort. Uh, who who's a better matchup? Uh, do you think who would who do you think the Bombers would rather face, Estevan or uh, or Humboldt right now? Well, Humboldt's closer. I was gonna, I was gonna do this. I, I gonna, wanted I to stir the pot a little, you know. <laughs> Try to get the, the interesting for the fans. Well, you know what? Those are two quality teams. I mean, they're one and two. And the thing that impresses me about uh, Humboldt and Estevan, they were one and two all season. I mean, they are the two teams that everybody thinks will be in the final. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't count the Flint Fawn Bombers out, especially with the fans. And they very well could get both Cole Dupero and Jeremy Trombley back for the second round. That's a lot of offense that they didn't have. Uh, Trombley just got the uh, Sherwood uh, Rookie of the Year, and he only played in 30-some hockey games. 
He's explosive. Cole Dupro, I think, had 19 goals this year. You get those two guys back in the lineup, and I think uh, Humboldt, Estevan, whoever it is, Flint Flon will not be an easy out. No, I, I, think, I think Jamie called it earlier in the year when we had a midseason playoff for uh, who we thought would be in the finals. Yeah, I did say, I said, uh, well, everybody in Estevan hates me already, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, Flynn Flaw, I, I called a Flynn Flaw and Humboldt final. So obviously, wow. if they face each other in the second round, in this, this round here, then I'm, then I'm snookered. But you know. it is interesting, though, because uh, remember, uh, it's some, whoever plays, Est if Estevan makes it the finals, whoever plays in the finals is going to get to go to the Centennial Cup. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be really interesting. Really interesting to see how that kind of unfolds here for the final four. Who, who you pick it, Rory, between Melford and uh, and, and York tonight, uh, tomorrow night? Rob, it's it's about travel. <laughs> Melford. It's an hour away. I, yeah, I, don't, I, wanna, I don't want to go to Flynn Fly. That's six and, hours. And, and Rory <laughs> knows he can fill the EPA for sure. Yeah, yeah I do Melford's like ticket sales. Good. I do like ticket sales. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, you'll have about 300 Flint Flon fans coming to games if we Beautiful. play. Yeah. Beautiful. And, I mean, I remember the series of 2019-20 between the Broncos and the Bombers. I love going to the Whitney Forum. But, uh, if you know, as the Broncos broadcaster, to see them already have to go to LaRange, a four-hour trip, it's our second longest. And then second round would be to Flint Flon. If they get through that, then to, like, it, it would there would be no possible – combination of farther travel in a playoff series if the second round now is Flint Flon. So I'd like it to be Melford. Yes. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> Rob, I uh, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Bombers are into the second round and who knows, maybe we'll see you uh, once again in round number two here. If, uh, if York didn't get it done, if not best of luck with the Bombers taking on the Estevan Bruins. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Good luck uh, to you guys. And uh, Notre Dame, I, you know, I thought they played a pretty good series against Estevan. Uh, boy, everybody was really excited after they won that first game. And a lot, a lot of people were really hoping that the, that, that, that might have been an upset. You know what? Puck came out to overtime there. Jared Sitch had a great shot there in game four to, you know, tie the series in overtime in Wilcox. So it been, uh, who knows? <laughs> and knew he would have lost his mind again. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Nothing beats the playoffs, eh? Yeah. Absolutely. There was Rob Hart, and uh, we'll be back and have our Rookie of the Year teams. All rookie teams, one and two next on SJ at Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon, and a big thanks to Keyshawn Gervais of the Yorkton Terriers getting ready for Game 7 tomorrow. Make sure you tune into that. And Rob Hart, the play-by-play -play voice of the Flynn Flon Bombers, and yes, he qualifies as legend status in the SJHL bar not a great interview with him it's the humble broncos the estevan bruins the flint flon bombers on to round two well your caa road report <clears throat> excuse me only features one game because we're waiting to find out if it's the Yorkton terriers or the melfort mustangs that's coming up tomorrow and game seven will decide who everyone else plays is it humble flint flon is it humble melfort is it flint flon estevan or is it flint flon tumbled or York did, York did estimate, I guess it should be. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game very much. One of the big things heading into round two, though, Nugsy, is going to be the injury report. And, obviously, our friends at Mayfair Diagnostics want you to stay in tune with your body. If you're having some ailments, please go to our friends at Mayfair Diagnostics and get it checked out, whether it's an MRI you need, an ultrasound, an X-ray. They do it all. 
And listening to Rob Hart, though, talk, if the Flint Flawed Bombers can get Jeremy Tremblay and Cole Dupereau back from the injury report, oh, but look out. That, that, that is two A-plus um, young players as well, but two A-plus players to get back into your lineup for round two. And uh, Mayfair Diagnostics, if you need to get back into your lineup, go, get, go to them to get checked out because they are also A-plus at getting you back into the lineup. Yeah, great point. Jeremy Tremblay, Direct West commit to, uh, I believe, Sacred Heart University, too, D1 NCAA. Yep. So, really cool. Congratulations on that Direct West commitment, uh, D1. And we, we knew he was D1 caliber, but he hasn't been in the lineup for, uh, for a long time. So, that even shows how much highly regarded he is to get that commitment to Division One. We wanted to do something fun to wrap up the show. And uh, you see it in the NFL. You see it, uh, you know, in all leagues across uh, the major four sports. It's uh, your all-rookie team. So we got your first team all-rookie and your second team all-rookie. I know we're running out of time here on the show. So we'll just rattle through some of the great rookies in the league. And uh, you got six forwards, technically, four D and two goaltenders. But start with your all-rookie team, first team. Newsy, go ahead, rattle them off. All right, first team, I have Kevin Anderson from the Notre Dame Hounds, uh, captain, Princeton University, Connor McGrath, Pumble Broncos, uh, 84 points, led the league, uh, Ferris State University, and Jake Southgate, Battleford's North Stars, uh, great player this year, Jared Sitch of Notre Dame, uh, and Parker Jasper on the blue line, Jared Sitch led uh, the league, I believe, in, in minutes per game, and Kale the Pape in the sticks of York. Kale DePape is also my starting goaltender, first team all-rookie. My forwards do consist of Kevin Anderson and Connor McGrath. Matthew Perkins is who I slot on the right wing there. And my defense are both Notre Dame Hounds. I have Sam Kroon and Jared Sitch, both for the Notre Dame Hounds for my first team uh, all-rookie all team in the SJHL. Go to your number two team now. All right. My second team, uh, 37 goals. Elliot Dutil, 03 birth year, an incredible season. Very, uh, as much as much as you scored, underrated in this league. Uh, Matthew Perkins, you talked about him. Uh, of Humboldt, Noah Wills of the Melville Millionaires, a one-man show there in Melville this year. Uh, Sam Kroon of Notre Dame, uh, third and all D-men in scoring. And Tynan Ewart of the Battlefords North Stars on the blue line. And Cam Herdlicka of the Estevan Bruins in there. Yeah, good pick on the Cam Herdlicka. I was really tied between him and James Venn. I went with Venn. So we're going to be different onto the goaltender, the Melfort Mustangs, Netminder gets my second team all rookie nod. Defense building from the net out. Tynan, you were also there. Parker Jasper, my other defenseman who you had on the first team. And then up front, I have Noah Wills as well. I slotted in Kalen Fitzpatrick uh, of the Estevan Bruins. And look, at, I left them off our SJ versus MJ showcase roster. When the coaches did their version, they had him on the first line. So Ethan Silkey is going to be my centerman uh, on, on team two. He led the league in shorthanded points, and he's a guy that's on the fourth line but still managed to put up 38 points this year. Uh, Ethan Silkey rounds out my second team all-rookie all in the SJHL. Send your angry tweets, uh, Christian yeah, Dutiel, to, my... to, to Bronco Voice on Twitter, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you can send them in. Yeah. Well, I might not answer them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... That's your all-rookie team. Your CA Road Report, of course, our great sponsors at Mayfair Diagnostics wants you to get checked out once again. Game 7, Newsy. How excited are you? 
Oh, it's awesome. I'm a little bit jealous of uh, of Maddie Decker or Maddie Barrett or, or Benny Walchuk, whoever is going to be calling it. But uh, oh, that's uh, nothing gets better than Game Seven playoffs. It is Melfort and it is Yorkton. One of them is going to advance tomorrow and take on. Well, it's anyone's guess as we uh, still wrapped up the regular season. Didn't know who's going to be matching up. Wrapping up the final game, we don't know who's going to be matching up, but it's what you like to see in the SJHL provides so much excitement. But one game remains, Newsy. Big thanks to Keyshawn Gervais. Big thanks to Rob Hart for joining us this week. We will have a second round playoff preview show. Welcoming back Nick Nielsen, I believe, if he's available. We'll see. Busy schedule, that guy, if he wants to come back on and break down round two of the SJHL playoffs. We'll have that out for you midweek. But uh, once again, thanks to our guests. Nugsy, enjoy your little vacation there in Toronto. Uh, Say hi to the family for me, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. That was SJ at noon. We'll be back next Monday. But before that, playoff preview show round two, midweek. Check into that on SJ at noon.